Amen. Hey, before you sit down, tell somebody beside you, it is good to be here. You can have a seat. Man, what a, what a great morning and great opportunity for us to gather today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be there in just a moment. Uh, how many of you would start out with me today and, and actually admit that you have had a bad habit in your life a time or two. Anybody want to just raise their hand and say, I've had some bad habits? Go ahead and tell the person next to you what that bad habit, no, just don't do that. <laughs> if you're next to your spouse, they already know what it is. <laughs> um, I'm going to share one of my bad habits, and obviously when I talk about myself, please don't use this against me in the hallways to criticize me or shame me, right? Everybody good on that? We're not going to do that. Uh, so when, when I was a little bit younger, my kids were, were, were little, I had this bad habit, right? We would put our kids to bed. They would go to bed, you know, pretty early as young kids. And, and then um, my wife goes to bed pretty early around 10 or whatever. And so I'm up watching TV, reading, doing whatever. And then uh, about midnight, every single night, I had this bad habit that I would go into the kitchen and I would eat two big cereal bowls filled with frosted flakes. Like just, just hammer it, like Jethro bowl size, not like soup bowl, like mat, almost like a food trough, like a horse trough of frosted flakes, sometimes golden grams, but most of the time frosted flakes at midnight every night, right? So that was a bad habit. And one of the things that I realized as I kind of got older was like, well, eating a thousand grams of sugar before I go to bed is probably not the greatest idea. And so uh, I, I cut that out. It took me some time. And I finally got out of it. So I don't do that anymore. How many of you guys have actually had a bad habit and that you've actually overcome? Anybody overcome a bad habit? Yeah, that, that's great. They, scientists, researchers tell us that it takes 10 weeks to actually break a bad habit. So if you've got something on your list, you need to quit, you want, you're ready to overcome, uh, it's going to take at least 10 weeks to overcome that bad habit. Now, I want you to think back with me today, uh, a, a year and a half ago, roughly, to March 13th, the year was 2020. And it was at that time that COVID-19 had just kind of, you know, landed in our country and we were all just, you know, really unsure. We didn't know what it was going to look like or what it was going to do. And so our church, our, our pastors decided that it was uh, prudent at that time to stop the in-person gatherings as a church. And, and, and to go totally online for a season. Now, we knew that wasn't going to last forever, but because it was, there were so many unknowns, uh, we, like most churches in the country, um, did not gather in person. And for us here at Foothills, we actually went 16 weeks without gathering in person. And so think about it for a minute. For 16 weeks, every single one of us broke the habit of attending church. Now, maybe you were raised in church, and so coming to church on Sunday mornings is just your habit. And for 30, 40, 50 years, your habit was to come to church. But for every single one of us, for, for 16 weeks, we were unable to do that. And so every single one of us broke that habit. And here we are a year and a half later, and many people, many of us, have not reestablished that habit of attending church every single week. They say 
that uh, scientists, researchers say that it takes 90 days to uh, begin a new habit. There's a lot of good books on habit. The Power of Habit is a good book. Atomic Habits is also a good book on developing habits in your life, healthy habits. And uh, they all kind of give that idea that roughly it takes about 90 days to create a new habit. So if we are going to reestablish, or maybe you, you never had it as a habit, but you want to create church attendance gathering in person, a spiritual habit in your life, it's going to take at least 90 days to do that. So, I mean, roughly you're looking at all of August, right? Uh, here we are going into August, September, and even through October. By the end of October, we could all have reestablished essentially this spiritual habit of attending in person every week. And so I think for all of us, we hear that and we think, well, the pushback kind of immediately is, well, Trent, I'm kind of a once a monther kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm a part of that once a month kind of group. And I, and I get that. There, there are some in the room or even watching today. Some of you might call yourself the, the CEO Christian, you know, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> and so that's kind of your, your, your gig. But but I think, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, like you genuinely like to come to church, you genuinely like the experience, you walk away, you know, most days encouraged and refreshed. So genuinely, we like being here, but the reality is we don't always like the process of getting here. Sometimes it's just easier to you know, hit the snooze button, cuddle back up in bed, and you know, maybe watch on line. And, and I will say, if you're a parent of a toddler, of, of a child, it is a miracle, it is an act of God that you got here roughly on time. So praise Jesus, right? If you're a parent of a teenager and they got here and nobody got smacked or cussed, it is a miracle that, that you made it. So, so just feel the love today and the encouragement that, that, that you did it, right? And so we like being here, but we don't always like the process. So why? Why should we go to the effort? Why is it important? Why is it good to be here? Well, that's exactly what I wanna talk about today. And I wanna answer that question for you. But in order to make this a, a reality and a habit in your life, we're gonna have to make some changes in our life. And we don't always like change, do we? Uh, change is rough, change is difficult, and there are really two main reasons why people make changes in their life. Uh, the first reason, and this is kind of generally speaking for all human beings, like a, a painful situation will lead us to make changes in our life. And so maybe you've gone through a painful season, a rough thing has, gone, has happened in your life, and because of that, you decided to make some changes. And so maybe it, it relates to your health. And so you didn't really think about your diet, you know, you're eating cereal with me and things are just kind of rolling and then you, you know, some kind of health situation arises, heart attack, strokes, and then all of a sudden we're like, boom, we face a very painful situation and that will lead us to alter our diet or change our, our healthy uh, behaviors and habits. Um, but there's also another uh, reason that we might make a change and that is the future potential pain that we might experience. 
So if you're wise, if you pray about it, if you're reading your Bible, if you're, if you're asking for God's guidance, if you have godly friends speaking into your life, they're gonna give you uh, wisdom, you're gonna gain wisdom, and what you're gonna do is you're gonna play this out in your mind almost like a movie. If I continue to date this guy, if I continue to work here, if my physical habits continue to look like this, then in three, four, five years down the road, this is what might happen. And when we think about that honestly, and we see the future potential pain and suffering that we might experience, oftentimes that might lead us to make a change today. So as we think about this, we might say the implication for our topic today is that if we're going to establish the habit of gathering in person for church every week, it's gonna take A, a painful situation that would cause us to do that, or B, it's gonna be you and I realizing the future pain and difficulty that your marriage will feel, that your children will feel, that your financial situation will feel, that ultimately your, your lack of spiritual growth will impact and, and affect every area of your life if you do not make the decision to consistently worship God with his, with, with his church. And if we, were, if we would be honest today, many of us are already experiencing the pain of being disconnected from God. Because of our situation and because of social distancing and everything, what, what if the stress that you're experiencing today, what if the, the, the anxiety that you're experiencing today is a result of being disconnected from God? It's a result of being disconnected from godly friends. It's the result of not worshiping God on a regular basis. It's the result of you not being outwardly focused and focused on ministry, but mainly just focused on yourself. You see, when we think about it, I think the lack of joy that we might have in the room is potentially a result of the fast-paced nature that COVID has led us to. I never thought it could be possible, but I think as a culture, we're busier than ever before. We're busier than even before COVID. You're working from home. You're trying to reestablish your business. You're watching the news way more. You're on social media way more. You're, 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 your mind is engaged way more in all of these different activities. I had a, a gentleman in, in between services tell me, he's in his uh, 60s, and he said, my stress is coming from my adult kids because where we used to find unity, now there's so much disunity and, and it, it seems like they're all in a difficult season. And so whatever it is that you're facing, I think a large part of it has to do with this fast-paced, disconnected experience that all of us have felt. So what if this frustration, this weariness isn't a result of social distancing? but it's actually a result of the spiritual distancing that we've experienced over the last year and a half. So let me talk to you about why it's good to be here. And I want you to hear my heart today as your pastor. This isn't a, you gotta check this off your list to go to heaven or to be a good person. It's not, that's not what this is. This is a message that, that, that my prayer, my hope has been, this is what you get. This is for your benefit. This is what God has called us to and what you will enjoy 
when you are a part of God's church, right? So let's start in Hebrews 10 and hear what the author of Hebrews says. In verse 23, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Now, what is the confession of our hope? The confession of our hope, the confession is the gospel. The confession that Jesus Christ is the son of God, died on the cross for sin. He died, was buried in the grave, and he rose from the dead on the third day, defeating sin and death, offering you forgiveness and hope and life everlasting. And so when you put your faith and trust in him and you live your life for him, you get a purpose, you get to live on mission and with meaning, you get joy and you get heaven as your home. And I need to be reminded about that, not just every week, I need reminded of that every day. Because every day I turn on the news, you know what starts to diminish in my heart? Hope, hope, hope starts to diminish. We're not gonna figure it out. We're not gonna be able to do it. Going down the toilet, everything's a mess. My hope starts to drain. But every time I'm reminded of the gospel, I'm reminded that God is still working. I'm reminded that God is not finished. I'm reminded that God is still with us. And I'm reminded that he has a purpose and a plan behind all of this, right? And so I need to be reminded, I need to hold fast to the confession of my faith without wavering. Wow, are we wavering in America right now? I'm talking about Christians. We are wavering. Oh man, we are back and forth on so many issues and and fighting about so many issues. And it's like, let's hold fast to the confession of the gospel. And let's let our attention and mind and focus be on that and what Christ has called us to without wavering. He says, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, evidently, the author is writing to a church where there had been some people in the church that were neglecting to meet together. So just kind of like our church and really the church in America across the country, there are a lot that are neglecting to meet together right now for you know, many multitude of reasons. And I'm gonna get into that, but the reality is it's happening. And so his initial starting point here is to tell us one of the reasons why we are called to gather is because God tells us to gather. It's very simple in the New Testament that we are called to gather corporately in person. And so it's not an option for Christians to consider, it's a command for you and I to complete. So when he calls us to do it, when he tells us to do it, Being here, gathering together, is our obedience towards a God who calls us to do so. And we are encouraged because we also know that the early church gathered weekly. We know that they did this. We know that they gathered. We know that they gathered weekly. In fact, Acts chapter 20, verse seven says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers. So the first day of the week is Sunday. And they moved from the Jewish Sabbath, which is Saturday, they moved to the first day of the week, Sunday, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And they thought, let's celebrate the resurrection on Sunday. We'll worship and gather. And out of that tradition is why we are 2,000 years later still worshiping on Sunday morning. On the first day of the week, 
we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. Wow. Now I'm gonna make a promise to you. I am not ever gonna preach until midnight. I'm gonna be eating cereal by then, and I got stuff to do. No, the point is that we know the early church met every single week and they gathered together in person on Sunday morning. We're, we're called to emulate and model what they did. In fact, Acts chapter two, that the last part of the chapter gives us a very clear picture of what the early church did when they gathered. And so I just, just briefly, the church gathered to pray together. They sang together. They read scripture together. They were taught the scripture together. They shared meals together. They took the Lord's Supper. They served each other. They baptized new believers. They shared the gospel with each other and with new people. They brought financial gifts to serve the ministries of the church. They did this every single week and they didn't gather to check all of these things off of a list as if you know checking the list was the end goal. No, the goal was worshiping and honoring Jesus. These acts were, were expressed not as boxes and legalistic, you know, little, little tasks that we have to do to be holy. No, they were done because they were expressing their new identity. And their new identity as a son and daughter of Christ was that now we are one family. Now we have one Lord, one head, one, one God. And we gather to worship him every week as a church, and then we are sent out to continue to take the gospel to our community. And so we gather with all kinds of people, the diversity that we have as God's church, no matter if you're a male or female, if you're young, if you're old, what color of skin we have, what state you are from or where you have moved from in this area, because we have a lot of you no matter what country you're from, no matter what political ideas you submit to, no matter what languages you can or cannot speak, we gather together with a common goal to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. He is our focus. And nowhere in the world will you see this kind of diversity gathering together to honor, submit to, love and encourage and point our heart and mind towards a God that loves us. Nowhere else in the world will you see this. There's too much division. Only in the church are we called to submit to one another. Only in the church are we called to love one another and serve one another, no matter how young or old you are, or where you're from, or how much money you make or don't make. That's the beauty of God's church and that is our identity now it supersedes any physical gift that you and I have it supersedes the way that you look or where you're from the reality is our new identity as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ means that now we have a bigger purpose and priority and our heart and mind on Sunday mornings as we gather corporately falls on him our eyes are set on him. Our heart is set on him. And we're reminded of the confession of our faith and the hope 
that we have every single week. He gives us this new family and we gather in his name. And so that means that gathering together is a spiritual discipline that honors God's word. God's word tells us to do it. When we practice it, then it, it honors him. It honors him. It, it blesses him. Anytime you do what God's word says, it's gonna be a blessing to you. It's gonna be an encouragement to you. It's gonna lead to spiritual growth for you. And so, so when we develop the spiritual discipline, the spiritual habit, just like the habit of reading the word of God, the habit of prayer in our life, it's going to lead to more fruit in your life, more blessing in your life. And, and this is how we address it and move forward. And it's good to be here because he commands us to do so. Secondly, it's good to be here because when we gather, we encounter the presence of God. For he, for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful to meet us and to encounter us when we gather to worship him. He is faithful to bless you. He is faithful to speak to you. He is faithful to encourage you. Jesus actually says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am among them. So when we are intentionally gathering together to meet with God, something powerful and unique happens. Now, obviously God is present in every space all over his creation. We know that as followers of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit within us. So we can literally worship anywhere. We can connect to God anywhere. But there is something profound, there is something powerful that happens when we gather together for the purpose of growing as disciples of Christ. When I hear you sing, when we sing together, there is a power and energy in the room that is powerful. God moves our spirit and our heart towards him when we see that happening. And when we do that, you must recognize that you are you are a blessing to those around you. Because if people are watching you worship, and they're like, wow, man, this guy is just like, he is encountering God. He is passionate about Jesus. Maybe his thought is, well, maybe there's something to this. You know, he's not crazy like Hollywood, you know, makes us out to be. Bunch of fundamental right-wing crazy people, right? I mean, he seems pretty normal and he, loves and is worshiping, mm, maybe there's something to it, yeah. I don't know what championship ring you've won, I don't know what medal you've won, and I don't know how much money you've made, but I can tell you this, nothing compares to the feeling of bringing somebody to church with you who is a friend, a loved one, who doesn't know Jesus, and at the end of a message, when the invitation is given to respond, and they raise their hand, and they, or they stand up and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus, there is nothing, no championship, no money, no nothing that compares to that feeling when someone you love gives their life to Jesus. And now their future home is in heaven and now they have purpose and meaning in their life. It, nothing compares to that. And so when we gather, we're able to encounter the presence of God in those unique ways. And so when we gather, there should be a sense of, wow, a sense of awe of what God is gonna do in my heart and what God is gonna do in your heart and what God might do in the room today, what God might do in the room 
next door with our kids today. In fact, the early church had this sense of awe. In Acts 2.43, it says, everyone was filled with awe. The many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. And so it wasn't a program. It wasn't that they were, you know, spectacular teachers, although I'm sure that they were. It was that the, the, the power of the resurrection transformed them. It was the power and, and, and presence of God in their life. It, it was a, a movement of the Holy Spirit that was transforming them. Jesus, who died publicly, was buried in a grave. And three days later, he appeared again. He rose from the dead, appearing to over 500 different people, transforming everyone's idea of who God was. And because of that life-transforming moment, we gather today to celebrate the same exact power, the God who is a way maker, the God who wants to do miracles in your life, the God who wants to transform whatever painful situation you're going through today. He is alive and active and he wants to speak to you today. He wants, to, he wants to do great things in and through you today and in your future. So we walk into this place and it's like, oh man, <laughs> I cannot wait to see what God's gonna do today. I can't wait to, I can't wait to experience something new. I can't wait to see who, who gets saved. I can't wait to see how he, how he grows our church. And, and, and it's like that expectation that grows inside of us. Why? Because we actually serve a God that is alive today. Now, if you walk in the room and you're like, oh man, whew, 1055, rolled out of bed, haven't had coffee, you gotta go to church. And you're sitting back and you're thinking about what's next and you haven't prayed and you haven't really looked at your Bible, then whew, God may just pass over. He just may, whew, you didn't get it, you, you missed it, right? So we come in with an attitude of expectancy that a holy God who is alive and working miracles today wants to speak to us. And so there's this idea of having awe. And so we gather today because we get to experience the power of a holy God. And then thirdly, it's good to be here because church reminds me I'm not alone. Church reminds me that I'm not alone for two big reasons. And so let me share why. So he, he says encouraging one another. So when we come to church, uh, we get to uh, encourage others and I get encouraged. So we're preaching, you're gonna get encouraged, right? Music, you're gonna get encouraged. If you're serving today, you're gonna get encouraged because you're got, you've got coaches and pastors that are encouraging you. And so uh, all of us love encouragement, right? I don't know anybody that would say, I just dislike encouragement. Please don't say anything nice to me. That just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. You might be the kind of person that's like, no, please, please don't, don't say that. You know, come on, say some more. No, 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 seriously, don't do that. You know, no matter where you fall, like we all can admit that we love encouragement. And that's part of the beauty of why we gather today. We need encouragement. Our world needs encouragement. Think about what people are facing. This is a 2018 study. 2018 study uh, by Cigna said that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. 43% of Americans sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful. So half of the population of our country feels alone 
and those that say, well, I've got some relationships, but they're not really meaningful. That's half the country. There's a pandemic that has been going on for a long time, and it's, it's, it's loneliness, it's emptiness. Likewise, a Barna study in 2019 said that millennials report that they often feel lonely and isolated, and at, and at the same time, they say one in three feels that someone believes in them. So we've got a young generation that feels alone, nobody believes in me, the relationships I do have aren't really meaningful, right? It's no wonder we see so much pain in the world. People are lonely. In fact, some of you are lonely. You see, you can be around, you can have somebody sitting next to you, you can be in a marriage, you can have a lot of friends, you can be connected on social media with hundreds of people and still feel alone. Because loneliness isn't just the, the physical absence of having somebody beside you, it's, it's, the, it's the absence of having shared purpose with someone else. In fact, Dr. John Cassiopo says, to end loneliness, you need other people plus something else. You also need to feel you are sharing something with other people or other groups that is meaningful to both of you. Listen to this, loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people, it's the sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone else. And that's the key. It's no wonder so many young people are, are attracted to some of the social justice issues. They get a sense of self-righteousness and they get a sense of there's a shared meaning. And some of it's good stuff. Some of it's not so good. But when you think about the church, we have the greatest shared meaning in the world. We have the greatest mission and purpose that mankind could ever experience. We know a savior who can forgive us of our sins, who can give us a relationship with our creator and give us eternal life that is life everlasting. Right, and that's our mission and we get to share that message and that's what unites us here today. This is what small groups are all about. When you gather in small groups, you're reminded that you're not alone and you get encouragement, right? You, you, you gather for the purpose of making disciples. So when you gather, you are experiencing this shared purpose and meaning like, wow, we're really growing. We're really doing what the Bible told us to do. We're really adding value to the kingdom of God. We're really a part of something that is much bigger than ourselves. If you're serving on a team here at FC, you've got a coach that's pouring into you. You've got pastors and directors that are pouring into you. You're encouraged and you're serving and you're looking around and you're like, wow, we're really a part of building the kingdom of God here. God's bringing people to this church. People are coming to Christ and they're getting saved almost every week. Like we're a part of something amazing. Your family gets encouragement when you're connected, right? Your marriage needs encouragement. Every single one of you as a married couple in the room need help. Can we just start admitting that? We, we act like we're great and perfect and nothing's wrong. Every single one of us in, who are married today, we need help with our marriage. We, we need to grow in that marriage. And so this is part of why we're here. Like in, 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 in small groups and when we're gathered, this is part of helping us move in that direction. If you're a parent, you know you need help. <laughs> Nobody taught you how to do this. And nobody taught us, you know, what to do with social media because it's brand new or what to do during pandemics because it's brand new. Like we're winging it half the time 
We need each other. It does take a village and that's why your son or daughter needs our student ministry and that's why they need our kids ministry. And it, it can't just be a, a drop in every couple of months. It needs to be a consistency and relationships are then built. So the church reminds me I'm not alone, right? And so we know this, that, that okay, I'm not alone. So I have others who care about me. So through small groups, through serving, through our attendance and the relationships that we build, we realize that there are people that care about me. But then secondly, I'm not alone. And so I have others I need to care for. And this is the biggest secret to our world that our world doesn't get. When we're lonely and when, we're, when we've got anxiety and we're depressed, we think we need to focus more on ourselves. And the, it's, it's actually the opposite. If you're struggling with some of that, get into ministry and start helping other people. This is how the Spirit of God grows you and works through that, those issues in a huge way. So he says, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So when we gather, stirring one another up to love and to do good works, and man, we need that in the world, don't we? We need more love, we need more good works. And so I'm realizing I'm not alone. There are people who care about me. I'm not alone. I need to care for somebody. And that's what we do as we gather as God's church. You just being here is, is like you telling the redemptive story of, of a God who loves mankind and that sent his son to die for him. And when you're here on a weekly basis and there's new people that walk in and they don't know Jesus, but you're here and you're laughing and you're saying, my name is so-and-so, glad you're here. And you're singing and they're watching and now they're listening. Like this is how the Holy Spirit of God allows them to encounter the Spirit of God. How you sing could be, could be what le leads someone to actually receive Christ. Your conversation of encouragement could bring a marriage kind of over the threshold that maybe we should be involved in church. You never know the power of even a short conversation on Sunday mornings and how God might use that and bless you. Verse 25 says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see what day drawing near? The return of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. If, if a global pandemic doesn't help you recognize the fragility of our world, I don't know what will. And, and almost overnight, our economy shut down, we shut down, school shut down, church shut, we were done, right? Just think what an earthquake, what, what a, uh, you know, another war, what, what, what a natural disaster. I mean, everything is so fragile. We are hanging in the balance of a good God that is keeping and holding this thing together for you and I while we are here, but he is coming again. And the peace that he is giving to the world today will come to an end. And we don't know when that day is coming, but signs are being given to us even today. So all the more it is time for you to engage in your church. All the more it is time for you to take your faith seriously. All the more it is time for you to engage in small groups. All the more it is time to start serving other people and stop living as if you're the king of the castle. It's time for us to recognize that it is good for us 
to be here. I could go through so many scientific studies. I'll let you guys Google it when you go home. There's so much research out there on the benefits of attending church. I'll I'll, I'll run through a few. Scientific studies show that weekly attendance for people who attend church actually live longer. Washington Post, 2016, Julie Zosmer, another possible benefit she says of going to church is a 33% chance of living longer. Yes, please. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. Other research says that people who attend church have lower levels of stress on their body. So they can actually measure the chemicals in our body that, that lead to stress and people that attend church. According to a 2017 study by Marino Bruce from Vanderbilt University found that attending regular worship services led to a reduction in the body's stress. People that attend church improve mental health. Cheryl Weinstock, 2019, found that those who attend church experience less depression. Harold Koenig from Duke University put it this way, research on religious involvement shows links to mental as well as physical health, including cardiovascular and immune function. Other research shows that attending church helps you sleep better. Now, I don't know if that means during the sermon or later tonight, but some of you seem to be doing pretty good at this, so. And then this one blew me away. Couples that attend church report having a better sex life. So like I've been saying, it is good to be here. Oh man, in all seriousness, 2020 and even 2021, and here we go again, getting drugged through this again, like it's been a traumatic year and you need to know that. You put your, you put your head down and you've charged a hill and you've got yourself busier than ever before. And I, I'm right there with you. They say that when people experience a death in their family, somebody close to them, Everybody kind of responds differently to those situations, but one of the ways that some people respond to that is they just try to repress or suppress their feelings and just move on and just stay busy and go and not, not kind of deal with any of that. And I feel like there, there's a large majority of people in our culture that have kind of just dealt with COVID like that. The whole situation, we're just head down, going hard, focusing on business, rebuilding, right, focused on this situation or this situation, and we've gotten out of our habits and our rhythms, our kids are out of their habits and their rhythms, and, and we ha- we're, we're, we're going through a traumatic experience, and you need to know that. And I think that's why there's so much stress in your life, part of it. I think it's why there's so much anxiety and, 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 and problems in your relationships and at work. And we need to recognize that the answer is not, you know, a political decision, the answer is not, you know, a, a, a new or different president. The, the answer is Jesus in your life. And it starts with you. And it starts in your heart. And it starts with you deciding to create habits in your life that lead to health and spiritual growth in your life. To overcome fear, to overcome the busyness and the confusion that we go through because we're all hearing different messages depending on who you listen to. 
So all of these factors, it is a recipe for just a mess. And it's why internally, I think so many of us feel that. We feel that weight. And when you subtract God, it leads to disaster. And I don't want us to experience that. And I definitely don't want you to experience that as well. So let me close with this thought. If you're so busy and you get to a point to where you feel like you just don't have time for church, it's a pretty clear sign that you're pushing yourself too hard. And at some point, the wheels will fall off. And so if we go back to the beginning of the message today, there's two ways that we usually make changes, a painful situation or the future, future potential pain. Some of you need to realize the wheels will fall off if you don't put God first in your life. And I want you not just to know or just to taste a little bit of God. I want you to experience all that he has for you. And so every single one of us, we've got to recognize that it's good to be here because God calls us to be here. It's biblical. We encounter the presence of God when we gather. So it's a blessing. And then the church reminds me that I'm not alone. And so it's beneficial. Let's pray together. God, it is good to be here. It is good to be here in your presence. It is good to be here with our brothers and sisters in Christ who love you. It is good to be here to experience the step of growth that each of us need to take. And so Lord, we submit to you. We submit that we don't have the answers. We recognize God that you are in control. And so we wanna give that control to you and we wanna honor you with our life and we wanna put you first and, and make it a priority to worship and to serve you. And we will expect great things because we serve a great God. We're gonna expect that miracle. We're gonna expect that blessing. We're gonna expect you to do what only you can do. And we'll trust you every step of the way. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.